0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Um, we're starting a, a ministry. The, the Lord put on my wife's heart, and with a, a mom and a daughter, uh, Skylar and Janae Dunk, to start a ministry in, in a couple of months. But Uh, Jenny wanted me to mention this, so she wrote an email for me. I'm going to read it to you on her behalf since she's not here. She writes, As you know, several months ago, the Lord laid on my heart to gather resources for women and their families who are considering abortion. In January, we will partner with a ministry called Embrace Grace, which has a small group discipleship element for single moms who find themselves pregnant and not knowing what to do. This new ministry will be led by Skylar Dunk and her daughter Janae on Friday evenings. With the recent passing of Prop 1 in our state, the timeliness of this new ministry launching is God-ordained and prayerfully life-saving for these women and their unborn children. Our heart as your pastors is that every young woman who experiences an unplanned pregnancy will have a safe local church to turn to for healing, hope, and health. Did you hear that, church? Um, Let me just say one thing to, to that. I, I've been thinking about this the last couple of days when Jenny's been talking to me. I, I really do pray that um, that our church would be uh, exactly that. It'd be a safe haven. So if there's a, a a lady in our church for whatever the circumstances are, or somebody who's not even part of our church but but you know, um, and and just decides I can't handle a child, you know, and they're they're considering abortion, I'd like our church to step up and and start adopting kids. And uh, so, anyways, we will talk more about that. But um, so we can provide an alternative. Uh, uh, Let me let me say this: the one one argument that I've heard sometimes this is shocking to me. By the way, I I might not say this at the other services. I've heard pushback from Christians that are pro-abortion. I still can't really wrap my mind around that because I think they have no biblical leg to stand on. But one of the things they say is, you care about life in the womb, but you don't care about life after the womb. By the way, I think that's an absolute cop-out, and that's garbage. I don't know any Christian who really loves Jesus who doesn't care about life after the womb. But, but I think their point is, if you're going to do that, then you need to provide an alternative and step up and take, and take responsibility. That's what I'm asking us to consider doing. Does that make sense? Okay, all right, back to my, my wife. We'll never get through this message. I haven't even, started, I haven't even got in my joke yet. One in four pregnancies end in abortion, and the abortion rate is the same inside the church as it is outside. Having an unplanned pregnancy can be scary, and many who experience one can feel completely alone. Fear and shame can lead women, including moms with kids already, to make abortion decisions they eventually regret, which triggers more fear, shame, and trauma. We are unashamedly a pro-life church, and being pro-life means we pray, but we also take action. We can't look away from reality any longer. Our church can be part of the solution that saves lives both physically and eternally. Skylar and her daughter Janae have a powerful testimony which they will share when the time is right. We can assure you this mother-daughter duo, they're a dynamic duo by the way, they're amazing, are the right people to partner with the cause to launch this new ministry. Through a message of love, this Embrace Grace group will help women see that they can have their baby in their dreams too. Being pro-life is a stance, a belief system, a vote, and it's important. But being pro-love is an action, the boots on the ground, the hands and feet of Jesus, the church. Together we can make abortion unthinkable. This new ministry is still several weeks away from launching. We appreciate your prayers and support as we get our team trained so we can move forward in 2023. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, that's from my wife. She's amazing. I don't know why she married me. (laughs) Uh, That was a joke, by the way. Nobody laughed. Wow, Uh, she's a tough crowd this morning. Pastor Judy was on her way to church and she was speeding as she normally does and got pulled over by a police officer. (laughs) And as she was walking up, she was thinking what she was gonna say. And first thing that came out of her mouth, she said, officer, blessed are the merciful for they shall be shown mercy. The officer looked at her for a moment, wrote her a ticket and without missing a beat said, go thou and sin no more. (laughs) Uh, we started a series back in august this has turned into the longest series we've ever done uh, called the blessed life say the blessed life the blessed life how jesus defines happiness and we took a five-week break with our jonah series and we are now going to come back to the blessed life series which we're going to finish next week Uh, If if you've missed, because there's people that are new to the church, in fact there's probably some people here that came to fish food last weekend and you're here today, let me take a moment and catch you up. By the way, if you missed any of the messages, you can go back and watch them uh, on YouTube And, and they're good messages. My brother preached one, my mom preached one, I preached several of them. But the series is based on what are commonly called the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes is basically the introduction, the sermon introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It is the most important sermon that has ever been preached because Jesus preached the sermon. It's the longest that's recorded in Scripture. And the word, uh, each of the Beatitudes, excuse me, begins with the word blessed. Say blessed. excuse me, the word in the Greek is makarios, it's makarios, blessed, it can also be translated happy, but it's not happiness in the sense that we typically think about happiness, because it's not a happiness that is based on external circumstances or what is happening in our lives or around us, Makarios is a happiness that comes from the Lord. It is an internal joy that Jesus gives us when we live in his kingdom. Somebody say amen. So Jesus teaches us in the Beatitudes how to live a blessed and a happy life. And what he teaches us is totally countercultural to our world, to religion. If you were coming up with your own list of you're happy if you do this, you're happy if you do that, your list and my list would look nothing like this. But this is what Jesus teaches us. Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. In fact, go ahead and stand to your feet as you do that. You can follow along on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one afterwards. Let me pray. Father, speak to us today through the power and the truth of your word. Let it pierce our hearts. Let it change our lives. Let us be doers of the word and not hearers only. If you agree, church, say Amen. Matthew 5, 1, and seeing the multitudes, he, referring to Jesus, went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, in fact, every time you we see the word blessed, you say that out loud with me, all right? I'll read the rest of it, but you say blessed with me. Verse 3, ready, go. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful. There you go, Pastor Judy. For they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Verse 9, let's read the whole verse 9 out loud together. Ready, go. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I'll read verse... 10 and 11 and 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Look at the person next to you before you sit down and say, You look like Probably more of a peacemaker than a troublemaker to me, but I'm not really sure. Go ahead, and then you can be seated. (laughs) Title of message today is simple. It's like I've titled all the other messages in this series. The peacemakers are happy. The peacemakers are happy. Notice that Jesus did not say, blessed are the peacekeepers. (laughs) There's a difference between being a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. Peacekeepers try to avoid conflict, which is impossible, by the way. Peacemakers resolve conflict. A peacekeeper desires peace, but a peacemaker works for peace and takes action. Peacemaking, by the way, is not avoiding. Some of us think, I'll just sweep it under the rug. I'll just pretend that it never happened. Running from the problem, running from the conflict is not peacemaking men and women that's called cowardice peacemaking is also not appeasing I just want to keep peace you know in my marriage or this relationship peace at all costs I'll do whatever it takes I don't want to rock the boat appeasing means that you give in to the other person and you know walk let them walk all over you I guess if that if that's the case because it's peace at any price that's called codependency by the way we deal with that in, in, in great depth and celebrate recovery on Friday nights, 7 p.m. Overcome your hurts, hang-ups and habits, all right? Some of us have been in conflict for days. Some of us have been in conflict with other people for weeks, some for months, some for years, some of us for decades. It might be a mom, it might be a dad, it might be a brother, it might be a sister, it might be a coworker, it might be a neighbor, it might be an old friend or an ex-friend. It might be your ex. It might be your current spouse, whatever. It might be one of your children. So this message that I'm going to give you this morning, this applies to every relationship that you have. This applies to every single one of us right now. Because the chances are that every single one of us with some relationship in our life are having some level of conflict. <laughs> it's hilarious to me. I was like, heightened to it this past week because I knew I'd be preaching on this. I felt like there was more conflict than normal. I'm going to give you seven I think incredibly practical and biblical steps. This isn't just pop psychology. This is from the Word of God on on how to resolve conflict and how to restore your relationships. I'd encourage you to, to write some things down, take some notes, take some screenshots, but at least listen. Before I do that, real quick, I'm going to give you three ways that unresolved conflict negatively affects us. So I'll just do this real quick. If you want to listen to the... I preached about an hour last night. I ain't doing that today. I don't have time to do that today. If you want the full message, you can watch Saturday night. This is Sunday gets, gets a shorter uh, Cliff Notes version, which some of you probably appreciate. Three ways unresolved conflict negatively affects me. Number one, unresolved conflict hurts my relationship with God. 1 John, the, the book of 1 John talks a lot about that. 1 John 4.20, how can you say that you love God and you hate people? It don't work like that. Unresolved conflict hurts your relationship with God. Number two, unresolved conflict hinders my prayers from being answered. Bible talks about that. First Peter three seven says, "Husbands, you need to treat your wives in an honorable and a respectful way, so that your prayers aren't hindered." Husbands, maybe the reason your prayers ain't being answered is because you're not treating your wife right. All right, it's going to get real quiet in here. That's okay. Keep going. Number three, unresolved conflict halts my happiness. That's what Jesus is. Happy are the peacemakers. What does that mean? Well, the opposite is true. Unhappy are the, those who don't make peace. You won't be happy in your life. It doesn't matter how much money you have, how much wealth you have, how famous you are, where you are in the world. You know, you could be in a beautiful part of the world. If there is conflict in your relationship, if your relationship stinks, your life stinks. You ever been on on vacation with just your spouse? Not even with the kids. In a beautiful location. You could be in Hawaii and something comes up. I mean, this is literally, I'm laughing because this is, I'm, this is me right now, Jenny. Something comes up, and you're in conflict with your spouse. You're in one of the prettiest places on the planet, and you ain't having any fun. You're not happy. Or you could go on a family vacation, and you've been in the car for five minutes. What are you all looking at? Are you guys put the picture up too soon? I'm getting to that in a minute. You've been in the car for five minutes, and your kids are already fighting. On Monday, we went to Disneyland. You guys can put up. Oh, you already put up the picture. Thanks so much. <laughs> Feeling a little little punchy this morning. I don't know what, what I'm going to say. Help me, Jesus. So Monday we went. This past Monday we went to Disneyland. One of our friends signed us in, and I wouldn't be a able to afford it otherwise it'd be like nine thousand five hundred dollars for four of us to go or something like that i have to sell one of my cars or anyways but we got signed in and and which is so nice so this was so nevae's 14 cohen's 12 and eliana the little baby i'm holding she's eight months this is our first time there and we had we had a great time we we went as long as uh our plan was we'll go as long as eliana can last and so we hit early afternoon it was it was game over we need to go home And so my sister Shannon came, so she took Naveen home. But Jenny and I left. So listen, it's Monday after Fish Food Weekend. I'm tired. Come on, somebody, give me some sympathy. I'm tired. I'm grumpy. I'm exhausted. It's wet. Come on, give me some more. It's cold. It's rainy. Come on, play that violin. I'm grumpy. Did I say I'm grumpy already? I'm hungry. We're we're out of here. We're done. So, I'm holding Eliana with an umbrella cuz it's raining. I'm walking towards the exit in California Adventure. A lady sitting down with nobody around by the way. Says, "Sir, you have to put your umbrella down to go through the exit." I said, "I'm not doing that." She said, "Well, then you can't go through." I said, "Lady, do you, I said, "Lady, do you see me holding my baby right now? How am I supposed to do that? Put my umbrella down while I'm holding her? Would you like to hold my baby?" She said, well, you can't go through. All right, so I moved, her, shifted things around, shoved the umbrella down, gave her a dirty look, and walked out. Then I get to the tram. I'm already a little bit irritated if you can't tell at this point. It's like, you know, mumbling under my breath. Get to the tram, waiting to get up. Nobody's there. No, There's not a crowd of people. There's no line. Nobody's around. Plenty of space on this stupid tram. I get to the tram, and one of the workers says, sir, you have to unfold your stroller. Okay, I didn't even listen to that. Literally, just put the stroller on. Nobody's there. Nobody's around. It's like, you're not, not, not bugging anybody. The lady comes by, sir, you need to fold, fold your stroller. I said, I'm not doing that. They said, sir, you have to. I said, I said why do I have to do that? Who's making these policies? I said, sir, you, you said this tram isn't going anywhere until you do that. I said, are you telling me I have to take all, listen, how many of you have ever traveled with an eight-month-old before? You know how much stuff you have, literally. I don't even know how we fit. I said, you're telling me I have to take all of this stuff out and fold my stroller, why? And then I have to, and then I, and so I'm, I'm holding up the whole line of everybody on this tram right now to fold my stroller and take all this stuff out. That's what you're telling me to do? Yes, sir, that's what we're telling you to do. All right, so I, start taking stuff out, slamming it down on the bench. I half-heartedly fold my stroller. It's not even folded all the way. Sit down again. Another guy comes, different worker this time comes. Sir, you have to fold your stroller completely. I said, are you kidding me? He said, no, sir. I said, I'm not doing that. I said, I folded it. This is exactly how I folded it when I got on. I said, I ain't folding it anymore. He said, then we're not moving. I said, fine, then I'm not doing it. Do what you need to do, is what I told him. Jenny, at this point, can tell that I am starting to lose my cool. So she says, oh, it's okay, it's okay. She steps in and folds this thing. I says, his name was Michael. I looked at his name, I said, Michael, that's a stupid policy. I said, go tell your supervisor, you need to change this ridiculous policy. He said, I'll do that. I said, I bet you won't. I'm I'm laughing because that's exactly something my dad would have said when he got irritated. Hopefully you still don't see me. You still let me be your pastor. Come on. Jesus is still working in my heart. Come on somebody. That is how not to be a peacemaker, all right? Michael, if you're watching, I apologize. I am sorry. I did not show you the love of Jesus. You were right. I was wrong. You're extremely good-looking. I'm extremely not. Anyways, uh, but that was just a joke in my mind. Happy Gilmore ran through my brain right now. All right, I'm going to give you how to be a peacemaker. Seven steps. Seven steps to resolve conflicts and restore relationships. Number one, peacemakers make the first move. Peacemakers make the first move. See, the problem is we think it's all their fault. They're the ones who did it. They're the ones with a stupid policy. When they come to me, when they apologize, then I'll deal with it. I heard about a family conflict recently, and that was exactly what was told to me. When they come to me, oh, it's not gonna happen. Listen, if, if you know the Lord, men and women, if you are a son or daughter of God, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. If you live in the kingdom of God, Jesus' way is different than our ways. And Jesus tells us clearly, you got to take the first move. In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says later, a few verses later, Matthew 5, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled. Everybody say first. Come on, say it again. Say first. First be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. (laughs) You ever, you don't need to raise your hand. You ever had an argument with somebody on the way to church (laughs) getting ready in the morning? I know some people, I think it's wise, who don't drive with their spouse to church because they get in fights. One of them doesn't want to be late. The other one's always running late. Some of you this morning probably on the way here. Jesus says that being a peacemaker is more important than worship. That is exactly what he's saying. You want to make this real practical? It's saying if you get in a fight with your spouse on the way to church, it would be better for you to to resolve it in your car than go into the sanctuary and start praising and worshiping the Lord. That's what Jesus is saying right there. So, in fact, right now, we're all going to close our eyes. I'm going to count to ten. And if you just need to excuse yourself for whatever reason, one, two, three. And I'm just kidding. Jesus is teaching us that reconciliation is a top priority. In other words, you do it immediately. You don't push it off. You don't procrastinate. You don't say, I'll do it later. You deal with it immediately. Sometimes we think, well, you know, maybe time will heal it. It doesn't in relation, relational issues. If, if someone stabs you in the back, literally with a knife, and you are bleeding, you don't think to yourself, oh, that hurt a little bit. Let me just walk around a little bit. Let me just shake it off, and let me see if it, you know, just heals itself on, on its own. I mean, time, time will probably heal this. You don't do that. It's going to get infected. You, you might bleed out. You could die. You go deal with it. You have it bandage you have it addressed conflict is never resolved accidentally it's always resolved intentionally the only way to resolve conflict is to face it and Jesus is teaching us whether you are the offended person or you are the offender or you're a little bit of both and most of the time in conflict it's a little bit of both you make the first move that's what Jesus is saying if you're going to be a peacemaker make the first move Number two is this, peacemakers ask God for his love and wisdom. Peacemakers ask God for his love and wisdom. If someone's hurt you, if they've injured you, if they've abused you, if they've taken advantage of you, if they've done you wrong, you won't be able to make peace with them if you're angry, if you're bitter, if you're holding on to unforgiveness. And probably in your own strength, in your own power, you won't have the kind of love that you need to be able to forgive them and move on. You need to ask God to give you supernatural luck. And men and women, listen, you, if you need to ask God for wisdom too and how to resolve the conflict. James says in James 1.5, if you wanna know what God wants you to do, ask him. He'll gladly tell you. He's ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask him. Wisdom in relationships is knowing what to say. It's knowing how to say it. And it's knowing when to say it. It's not when you're tired. It's not when you're angry. It's not when you're hungry. It's not when you're grumpy. Timing and location are important. By the way, if you're married, never try to resolve conflict in bed. Save that for other things, all right? Don't do that. That's not wise. Come up with a time and place where where you're both not angry at each other. Number three is this, peacemakers begin with what's their own fault in the conflict. Peacemakers begin with what's their own fault in the conflict. (laughs) I've literally had this happen to me. This is almost hilarious to me. I've done, I don't do lots of marriage counseling, but I've done some. I've literally sat down with couples where one or more, you know, one or both of the spouses will bring a list, a written out list of everything that spouse has ever done wrong. As if that's going to help. You don't start a conversation if you're trying to make peace with a list of accusations of everything the other person's done wrong and all the ways that that you've been hurt by them. That's that's foolish, men and women. The conflict might honestly be 99.99999% their fault. In your mind, you think it's 100%. Maybe it even is. But if you're a peacemaker, listen, I'm trying to help you right now. If you're wise, if you're mature, if you're a peacemaker, that .00001%, that is your fault, you'll take responsibility for it. And you ought to begin the conversation saying, You know, basically taking responsibility, apologizing. Maybe you are apologizing for your poor response or allowing too much time to go by before addressing it. But instead of accusing or excusing or attacking, begin with taking responsibility for your part in the conflict. The Bible says there's there's two primary sources of conflict. Number one is self-centeredness and number two is pride. And they're both pretty closely related. Self-centeredness, it's all about me. It's all about me. And, and within a month of me getting married, less than that actually, I realized how self. I was surprised at how selfish I was how much I think about myself. You're exactly the same, by the way. You're not thinking about me right now. You're thinking about you. You're thinking, does this message apply to to me? Do I like how John's preaching today? I don't really like it. This is kind of boring. I'm not married. I'm hungry. I want to go eat a donut. I want some coffee. I want to go watch the Rams lose again today. They're terrible. Raiders are, you're you're not thinking, you're thinking about yourself because you're the same. We're all self-centered. We're all selfish and we all have pride at some level. And and I've realized that the more that I focus on my own needs in marriage, the less happy I am. <laughs> the more irritated I get. Because listen, the purpose of marriage, by the way, is not to make you happy, it's to make you holy. If you're marrying somebody, you're looking to somebody else to bring you happiness, you're looking in the wrong place. Only Jesus is a source of real happiness and joy. I preaching better than you guys are amen in today. I don't care. So the more, listen, in your marriage, the more that you can put the focus on your spouse, the more happy you're gonna be because it's not about you. James 4, verse one, what's causing the quarrels and fights among you? Do they come from evil desires? Don't they come from evil desires at war within you? The conflicts in your life are not because there's jerks all around you. (laughs) It's because of what's going on in here. By the way, you're the common denominator in all of your relationships. If you think it's everybody else's fault, you be wrong. That's just immature. That's selfishness. That's pride. I'm going to save you since since this sermon's getting a lot of amens, I'm just going to keep digging myself deeper, I guess. I'm going to save you hundreds if not thousands of dollars right now on marriage counseling. If somebody, and I've been to marriage counseling, and I've spent thousands of dollars on marriage counseling. Are you ready? In two words, two words. You're not going to like to hear it. You're not going, but it's going to help you. Are you ready? Ready or not, here it comes. Grow up. Grow up. People like to cite for divorce. We were incompatible. That's a bunch of garbage. That term was made up by divorce lawyers to make money off of you. Nobody is is. Everybody is incompatible because we're all different. Listen, you can choose to. You chose to fall in love with somebody. You can choose to stay in love with somebody. You can make it work. You can choose to. Stop being selfish. Stop being inflexible. Stop being immature. It's not incompatibility that causes a marriage to die. It's immaturity. And listen, I recognize it takes two people to get married and one people to get divorced. But, but you ought to stand, bef- you know, be- <laughs> you're going to have to stand before the Lord someday, everybody, and give an account for your life. And you ought to do everything you can to fight for your marriage. And if the other person chooses to walk away, then that's on them, but at least you know before God, I did everything that I can. Immaturity says, I want what I want, I want it right now, I am not willing to change. Another another word for immaturity is inflexibility. It's always wiser to resolve a conflict than to dissolve dissolve a relationship. It's always wiser to resolve a conflict than than to dissolve a relationship. By the way, marriage counseling is way cheaper than divorce. <laughs> it'll, it'll save you a lot of money. And if, since I'm talking about it, if you get divorced, your life's not going to be the one who's ruined. It's the life of your children, no matter what age they are. It doesn't matter if they're out of the house, if they're adult children. It affects them more deeply than it does you. All right, this, this message is going great. <laughs> Proverbs 13.10, pride leads to arguments. Be humble. Take advice and become wise. (laughs) One of the measures of humility is how easily you get your feelings hurt. If you get your feelings hurt all the time, it's because you have pride in your heart. Prideful people get their feelings hurt. Think about a conflict that you're having right now with somebody. Maybe it's at a stalemate. Maybe there's no movement on on either side. Could be with a spouse. Could be with, with a friend, with a coworker, with one of your children. I'm gonna give you a sentence that probably will help you. I can't guarantee it, but I'm pretty sure that if you if you say it and you mean it sincerely, this sentence will probably help you. I'm sorry, I was only thinking of myself. Try that. Next time you get in conflict with your spouse, try that. I'm sorry, I was only thinking of myself. They might faint. You might have to call the ambulance, you might have to pick them up the floor. Let's let, repeat after me, everybody. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Some of the men can't even say those words. They can't, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I was only thinking of myself. All right. Number four, peacemakers listen for the other person's hurt and seek to understand their perspective. They listen for the other pe- person's hurt and seek to understand their perspective. James 119, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And to me, that's just one of the most straightforward, practical, helpful verses in the Bible. I think if we could just do that, if I could just do that, 50% of my conflicts would go away. (laughs) Because most of us, including myself, we do the opposite of what that verse says. Listen, what I'm saying right now is that communication is not just words. There's tone, there's body language. And if you can listen behind the words... Guys, let me say it like this. Husbands, if you ask your wife, how are you doing? And she says, I'm fine. Come on, how many of you know she ain't fine? And you probably are in trouble, all right? You probably did something wrong because you listened behind the words. Number five, peacemakers speak the truth lovingly and tactfully. Lovingly and tactfully. Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. Parents, that's good parenting advice. Speak the truth in love to your children. If you're yelling, if you're angry all the time, if you're screaming at them, they're not gonna listen to you. Rick Warren says, you're never persuasive when you're abrasive. (laughs) You never get your point across by being cross. Speak the truth in love. Come on, wrap the truth in love like like a truth burrito. Come on, somebody. I'd say a truth sandwich, but I don't like sandwiches. I like burritos. Wrap the truth in love truth without love is resisted truth with love is received and that applies in any relationship at all times you can tell somebody the truth you think i just tell it like it is you know and i just tell it like it is you know what that's called it's called being a jerk it's called being rude because you're supposed to speak the truth in love (laughs) let me give you an example here's an example you're looking at your finances, you see a $200 charge, you realize, "Oh, my wife must have bought a pair of shoes." You can this is one way to deal with it. You walk into the room, "I can't believe you spent $200 buying another stupid pair of shoes. You this is now your 54th pair of shoes. I counted the other day. Fifth What do you need? You don't even you have two feet. Why do you need 54 pairs of shoes?" And those shoes you know, we're going into Christmas season. We're tight financially. Inflation's going blah, blah. That's one way to speak the truth. There's truth in that your wife did spend $200. Another way to deal with it is to walk calmly in the room. Maybe after you prayed and ask the Holy Spirit to help you say, babe, I was going through the finances. I, I realized it looks like you bought a, a, a pair of shoes. I think it was about $200. Oh, there's the, there's the box right there. Let me look at it. Wow, those are beautiful shoes. Those are beautiful shoes. Babe, you're so pretty. You know, you could wear anything and it looks great on you. Give me a little truth burrito, honey. I was thinking about this, and you know, we're going into Christmas season. We got to we got to buy gifts for, for the kids. This is this makes it a little bit difficult. What a, would you consider? Maybe taking the shoes back. Or if you really want to keep them, what if, what if it's my gift to you for this Christmas? Since normally most of the time I get you stuff that you don't like anyways. Come on, somebody. You see the difference? I've reacted in both of those ways, <laughs> by the way. One just works better than the others. Number six, peacemakers attack the problem, not the person. To say that differently, fix the problem and not the blame. Anytime you fix the blame, you're just wasting valuable time and energy. Have you thought about this, by the way? How, listen, seriously. Have you thought about how much time you've wasted in conflicts with people? Let me, let, me, let me try to say this in a way where it doesn't sound like I'm pointing the finger. I don't want this to sound condemning, but let me, I want you to understand something. Some of us, listen, some of us have lost years and years and years with people that we love, with close family members because there's unresolved conflict. You can't get those years back. My mom's told this story real real quick. I saw this with my grandpa. My grandpa had a younger brother who's like 15 years younger than them. They literally lived on the same piece of property in Montana. In, I mean, within, I'm not exaggerating, within, within 30 feet of each other, their houses were. And at one point, I don't even remember what happened. I can't, my grandpa's gone in heaven now. At one point, something happened, and they stopped talking to each other for the rest of their life. His brother died, and my mom talked to him one time, and my grandpa said, I regret not fixing things with my brother. Some of us can, can relate to that, man. We're wasting valuable time with conflict. The Bible says, as much as you can do, live at peaceably with all men. In other words, you make the effort. If the other person I'm going to get to that point in a minute. If the other person doesn't want, you go as far as you can, but you extend peace to the other person, men and women. Fix the the problem, not the the blame. Attack the problem, not the person. If you need another example of this, just look at Washington, D.C. Both sides, regardless of your political perspective, all they do is attack each other, blame each other, and nothing's ever getting done. (laughs) My dad used to say, in any relationship, it's better to make things right Than to be right. That is good wisdom right there. It is better to make things right than to be right. So, in your marriage, if you're having a problem with sex or with finances or your in laws or your work schedule or parenting, stop attacking each other and start attacking the problem. Colossians 3: clothe yourselves with love. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. As members of one body, you're called to live in peace. Number seven, last point is this. Peacemakers focus on reconciliation, not resolution. Peacemakers focus on reconciliation, not resolution. Resolution is saying we resolve every disagreement. That will never, ever happen. There are some things in your marriage that you will never, ever, ever see eye to eye on because you're different people, you have different perspectives. You don't understand why your wife thinks that way, your wife doesn't understand why you think that way, you'll never have resolution. Listen to me, you can still walk hand in hand with your spouse without seeing eye to eye. Don't focus on resolution, focus on reconciliation. Reconciliation is about reestablishing and restoring the relationship. So with your ex, some of you have exes in your life, you have shared custody of your kids, You don't need to reconcile with that person. I'm sorry, you don't need to. to, uh, Reconciliation with your ex doesn't mean that you go and you get remarried to them. You don't want that, and they don't want that. But what it does mean is that you forgive them. You stop speaking bad about them, especially in front of your kids. You choose to forgive them. You bury the hatchet, and you move on in peace, even if they choose not to. In your marriage, you need to, you need, we, need, we need to learn how to do How many times in our marriages have our biggest fights been over the smallest, stupidest things? And if you're still mad at your spouse a few days later, you don't even remember why you're mad. Listen, fix the relationship. Don't worry about fixing every problem and disagreement. Fix the relationship. You can disagree without being disagreeable. That's called maturity. That's called wisdom. That's called being like Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled. Notice how often this word is in this passage. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is God God is the ultimate peacemaker. He's the ultimate reconciler. And if you know the Lord, if you are a child of God, if you are a son or daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, men and women, it is in your DNA. You and I, we are called to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Close your eyes for a moment. Just ask the Lord. You probably have somebody in mind already. Probably almost every person. You don't need to raise your hand. But ask the Lord, Lord, Who am I in conflict with in my life right now? And get that person in your mind and then ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do this week about it? What do you want me to do? And then men and women, whatever he tells you to do, do it in faith, do it in obedience and ask him to help you, to give you wisdom and love. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for all of us, including myself, Lord, give us courage to deal with conflict. Lord, help us to do it in the right way, in the, in the Jesus kind of way, to do it with truth, to do it with love, to do it with wisdom. Father, I pray for healing in relationships healing God in marriages Lord those that are just think there's just no way there's no hope God do a miracle do a miracle in their marriages God bring healing those of us that have been distant from relationships maybe from relatives for a long time for whatever reason we're going in the holiday season now God bring bring healing Lord help us to be peacemakers to extend peace and Lord you do the rest in Jesus name Amen you can open up your eyes let me uh, do one more thing that verse that I just read in, in 2 Corinthians 5 didn't spend any time on because we're out of, almost out of time now, but it's so powerful, the, the, the truth in there. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Men, men and women, what does that mean? That Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God, the sinless son of God, stepped out of heaven and came to this earth and he lived for you, he died for you and he rose from the dead for you and i he was god in the flesh fully god and fully fully man and he came to reconcile us to restore our relationship with god and he is the only way there is no other way you you can't earn it you don't deserve it you can't be a good enough person you have to receive who jesus is and what he accomplished for you through his death and his resurrection. Let me say it a different way. God has made peace with you. He's done everything he needs to do. Have you made your peace with him? And the only way is to receive Jesus, to, res- to surrender your life to him. Say, Jesus, I need- I'm a sinner and I need you in my life. Forgive me, cleanse me, help me, change me. I wanna live for you. I, I want to receive the abundant and eternal life that you've come to give me. That's why he came, so we can know him, so we could walk with him, so we could live for him. But you gotta make a choice. Nobody can make it for you. It's your own choice, it's your own decision because you have free will. Close your eyes one more time. If you're here today, you've never made that decision before. Maybe you, you, you have at some point, but you've left the Lord. You've walked away from him. You're running away from him like Jonah. And you need to come back to him today. I want to give you that opportunity right now. Today's the day of salvation. Maybe you're watching online. You can let our team know as well. On the count of three, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Just raise your hand and look at me. I want to see you. I want to agree with you and make eye contact with you and pray for you. anybody here this morning. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, awesome. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.